Hey there, it's Matt. How have you been? Welcome back to Food Under Fire, where we ask hospitality folk two questions about the COVID-19 pandemic. How can we help you? How can you help us? Last week, I spoke with Gavin Kaysen, who runs some of the best restaurants in the state of Minnesota. If you didn't give that one a listen, I encourage you to do so. And if you checked it out, great. I really appreciate that. But there's something else you can do next. Throughout the episode, he mentioned several different ways to support him, his peers, and even local farmers. I included links to all those resources in the episode's description, and we'll keep doing that in the future when guests share their own information. So, with that out of the way, let's get into episode two. My guest today is Ann Kim. She's a James Beard award-winning chef who has become a mastermind of Minnesota pizza with three restaurants under her belt, Pizzeria Lola, Hello Pizza, and Young Joni. Her fourth restaurant, a Mexican spot called Suki and Mimi, was slated to come out in July of this year, but that date is now up in the air. But amid such difficulty, she has remained a passionate voice for the restaurant community in Minneapolis and beyond. Here's our conversation. Enjoy. The way that I've been starting all of these is a pretty simple, but yet, you know, kind of loaded question. Just how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, if you asked me four weeks ago, um, the answer would have been drastically different, but it's been four weeks now. It feels like an eternity, but every day is a little different. Um, but today I feel okay. I think that's been the one of the more interesting things about this whole ordeal is just, it's kind of like a year goes by in a week. So much happens yeah. and oh. our perception of time just for everyone has just been so messed up. It really has, you know, it's either you lose perception of time, people are forgetting what day it is, you know, our routines are out of whack, you know, there really is no sense of normalcy. And so everybody, I think that I've spoken to colleagues or friends, they're trying to set their own sort of patterns and routines. So they have some kind of normal day to day, but I don't know, it's, um, it's sort of a, you know, every day, like I said, is different and try and figure it out as we go along right now. And another conversation that I've been having is just 2020 in general has been really interesting because January feels like an entirely new world. And then February was its own thing. And then March and then April. And with, you know, how everything is kind of descended, it's, it's just felt like a new world each month. Yeah, agreed. It's, I can't believe that we're already, it's mid-April already. It's snowing outside. Yeah. It was snowing like 10 minutes ago and now it's sunny and I don't know what's going on in the world right now. Yeah. You know, it, there's what's going on for me personally and within my businesses and the restaurants. And then something deeper is happening on a cosmic universal level that I just can't explain. And if there's any commonality to any of this is that globally, we're all experiencing the same uncertainty and challenges um, and as weird as that sounds, there's a sort of comfort to that, mm-hmm. that nobody is out of reach of this crisis. We've all been touched by it um, to varying degrees and knowing that, you know, we're all struggling to varying degrees and that we all want to try and figure it out. And I hope that brings us together, then pulls us apart. And so in a really odd, weird way, it's comforting. Yeah, I think we can all take solace in that. This really transcends race, class, age, all of that. You know, we're all 
stuck at home. We're all going crazy in our own little ways. But you know what? We're in it together. And I, too, have a similar sentiment where I hope we're going to be better off for it in the end. I hope that we'll be able to appreciate each other a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, that's the only silver lining that I can see that comes out of this, that we come out of this on the flip side better for it. Not only as, um, you know, not only as people, not only as, you know, as I think deeply about how our businesses and my profession has been impacted, but just um, as a humanity. So that is my hope. Yeah. So speaking of your businesses, I want to briefly kind of go over how things went down in your world when this initially happened. What was kind of the, the initial response and what did it eventually turn into? Yeah. So... That weekend, we were, by we, I mean my husband and I and three of our primary leadership um, That's uh, that was going to open uh, Suki and Mimi, my fourth restaurant, were getting ready to go to Mexico um, for an R&D trip. And it was something that we had planned months, in ahead, months ahead. Um, this was going to be an exciting trip to really connect the team. That was going to help me open Young Joni um, with sort of the culture and the food of, of um, Mexico City and Oaxaca. And uh, up until that Friday, and I'm losing, I don't even know what date that was. I know Tuesday, was it March 14th that all the restaurants were mandated to close? But up until that Friday, we were all committed um, to taking this trip. And I knew things were changing. The world was changing, um, you know, reading the papers and, and, and listening to what was going on both in New York and um, on the West Coast that cities were shutting down. Um, stay at home mandates were happening. And uh, I knew that it was going to happen to us. And as Friday approached, um, I or prior to Friday, um, weeks ahead, I checked in with the team just to see if they felt comfortable traveling. And, and we all did. Um, and we hadn't heard about any um, cases of, of COVID um, rapidly spreading in Mexico. And maybe it was just a naivete or just, you know, just trying to avoid, you know, the, the inevitable and trying to think positively. But uh, everybody wanted to go. And we were excited about it, but it wasn't until that Friday, a good friend of mine who is a doctor um, at a low income um, Asian clinic in Oakland called me and said, you cannot go. You really cannot do this. You can't jeopardize yourselves, your teams, your health, you know, going down this laundry list of all these things that could possibly happen. And she said, that's just, you know, that's the best case scenario. And uh, the next morning I woke up and, you know, I turned to Conrad and I said, we can't go. We can't make this trip. And then within 48 hours, the whole world changed. Our community changed. Our restaurants were told to close. And that Saturday I was, my husband and I were thinking of, you know, what, what are we going to do? What are some contingency plans? And we, it was literally between that Saturday and Tuesday it was triage mode. What do we do? You know, based on zero information, um, any sort of guidance from, from a federal or local government level, and all just trying to figure it out and make the best decisions um, that felt right according to our values. And it was difficult. It was really challenging. And what was the timeline there? What date were you slated to take this trip? Uh, we were going to leave. Uh, gosh, now I'm forgetting. Uh, we were going to leave Monday morning, the day before restaurants closed. 
you know, I think that Friday, my husband and I struggled about it's going to happen. You know, at some point, the restaurants are going to be mandated to close. And the worst would be that we're in a foreign country when that would happen. And as leaders, we just can't, can't do that. We have to be here. And so, uh, yeah, we were going to leave on Monday. And then Tuesday, everything changed. Right. Well, tell me about that triage moment. What were some of the things that you guys were initially thinking? Or were you just in a state of shock trying to process everything? The biggest thing for us was just making sure that our teams felt okay about um, transitioning the restaurants into takeout restaurants. Um, I think uh, we had some meetings prior to the closing. Um, it was, uh, we, we had an emergency meeting with our Vestalia level team uh, and all the other leadership, all the leadership at all three restaurants and talked to them about what they felt comfortable doing. If any one of them said, we just don't feel comfortable being open or being exposed, we would have never transitioned into a, a takeout restaurant, but everybody was on board, just basically making sure that the safety of our teams and our guests was secured um, and just trying to figure out what's the best practices, what is the CDC recommending, what is the World Health Organization recommending, and what are the things that we have always done and practiced as an organization. And to that extent, I feel like we were well prepared. Um, uh, and I know a lot of restaurants felt, you know, they just, they couldn't do that immediately. Some restaurants have changed, um, taken a couple weeks or a few weeks to really figure out what they were going to do because a lot of restaurants are just not positioned to be takeout restaurants. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, our main wheelhouse is pizza and pizza travels well and, and it's we're pretty well suited to transition into takeout. And we've been able to do it relatively um, seamlessly. And so that's, that certainly helped, but, um, a lot of it was uncertain. I mean, we, when that happened, we laid off 90% of our staff are, we had to transition in terms of the salaries, our, our, our salary employees took cuts, but since then we've been able to hire back more staff. We've been able to gradually increase the salaries of our leadership. And it's our hope in the next uh, week that we'll be able to take all of our salaried staff back to 100% of what they were earning because of uh, some of the, the SBA loans that have been made available just to us recently as of this week. That's a good transition and into another thing I wanted to ask, which is, so tell me about what's going on in each of your restaurants right now. What's what's the pivot that you guys made and what are you doing at each of them? Yeah. So at Hello Pizza, which is um, our only counter service uh, operation, it was probably the easiest to pivot because we've always, the majority of our business has been takeout and delivery, but we did have to close our dining room. Um, we've made changes to the menu because the labor has been drastically cut. Our hours have been cut. All five restaurants right now currently are running only five days a week. We used to be seven day a week operation. Lower and hello was also um, lunch and dinner, but that's no longer happening. Uh, we've condensed our hours, we've uh, simplified our menu, but the leadership just really rose to the occasion and, and figured out a model that would work for them. And at hello, they've, I know this sounds so weird, but they've never done better because there just is this, this, this huge demand from the general public for our service. 
at Pizzeria Lola. It's my first restaurant. It's a neighborhood restaurant. Um, we've had regular guests come to the restaurant since day one, and they can have continued to support us. The outpouring of support throughout this has been pretty amazing. The level of patience that they've had given us to figure things out has been so welcome. And so same with Lola, we transitioned hours, although we may extend the days of operation to include Monday and Tuesday now. I just met with our general manager and our chef there, and they think they can handle it. They believe there's a demand for it. The community can support that. And they, number one, feel like the staff uh, feel comfortable about doing this, um, that they can practice in a way that they feel safe and the community feels safe. And at Lola, um, we've had a healthy takeout business, but we would limit it to what we could do with a full restaurant at all times. But now that we're just a takeout restaurant, it's been incredible what the teams have been able to do in such a short amount of time and get it together and figure things out. And I think it's a testament to uh, the empowered teams that we have at each restaurant, uh, their ability to be agile and flexible and work together and collaborate and be creative and, and know that things could change the next day. And, and I've been really proud of them in terms of that. Uh, at Young Joni, uh, same situation. Young Joni was a little bit more uncertain, mainly because we're not a takeout restaurant. People came for the experience. They came to uh, celebrate or, you know, um, celebrate milestones or just come for the experience and go to the back bar. Um, so it took a little time for our guests to um, realize that we were offering this service. But once we did, our biggest issue now is being able to uh, meet the demand. We have one phone line, we have one person answering the phones. And, uh, you know, I guess the biggest constraint for us is being able to get through. But we've asked people to be patient, to keep trying and, and you know, we're filling whatever slots we can. It's a very different business model and and, and uh, we're doing what we can. So, but it's it's been doing fairly well too. Good, good. And then I know, of course, you have those restaurants and then you when this all happened, you were in the midst of building out your fourth restaurant, Suki and Mimi. And I know that you're still on track to put that together. It's still in the works. What's happening there? Yeah. Um, it's still under construction. You know, there, it was originally slated to open at the end of July. Uh, honestly, I don't know um, what it's going to look like in July in terms of the general state of the world. And even if uh, the, you know, stay at home mandate is lifted on May 4th. I honestly don't think this is going to change for restaurants for quite some time. And I do think that's going to affect the opening, um, even if we get the space delivered on time. So I am having to rethink everything about this new restaurant. And at first, I was really scared. Um, I was scared. I was depressed. I was angry. I, I was confused. Um, even to a point, you know, about a week after everything hit the fan, you know, I looked at my husband in tears thinking, you know, maybe we should just walk away from this and cut our losses. And believe me, we already had 
a lot of time and resources and, and money invested into it already. But I was willing to just cut my losses and, and walk away because I couldn't imagine opening up a restaurant in this environment. It's our most ambitious, most expensive restaurant to date. It's outside of my wheelhouse of pizza. I'm exploring a cuisine um, territory that I've never done before. It's and, and that's frightening and scary on its own. We're over budget and over time. And we already had a lot of fears even before this crisis happened. And now on top of that, not knowing what the world is going to look like, not knowing if people will even want to go out to eat anymore, I was ready to walk. But after about a week or so, I really decided for myself that that wasn't the place that I wanted to live. And I, I had to shift my perspective. I had to shift the way I was thinking about things. And instead of being depressed and sad, and it's it's okay to be depressed and sad. You know, you have to go through all the feels, right? There's no judgment here about how people are feeling or dealing with this. But for me personally, I had to change the perspective around for my own mental and emotional well-being to look at this as an opportunity, to look at this as a time to be creative and to use this conflict as a source of creativity so I could turn things around for myself, that this is an opportunity for me to look at a profession where there were things that I wasn't really happy with how things were running. And I, there were things that I was worried about and wished I could change. Well, now is my opportunity to change things because the rules are all out the window. Mm -hmm. In a sense, it's sort of the wild, wild west. And we have an opportunity to uh, stake new claims and, and, and define what it looks like to be a restaurant after COVID-19. And so I am, I'm, I'm thinking differently about what the food would look like, what the service model might look like, um, how the experience might be and how we can make this unique to who we are, but also adapt to what life is going to look like then. Right. I think you bring up a really good point. I mean, it is okay to be depressed and have anxiety, but at the end of the day, we kind of have two options here. We can either succumb to all of that or step up. And yeah. the I think what you're doing and a lot of other restaurant leaders are doing with their own ways of keeping on is really admirable because someone needs to do something. We can't just sit here and be sad. We have to go through the motions and feel those things, but it can't right. be day after day after day. Right. You know, I mean, it's hard because there hasn't been a lot of positive representation of leadership in our country um, in the past four years. And so it's hard to like, what do you model? You know, how do you model decision making and, and doing things that are best for not only yourself, but for those that depend on you? But I chose to become, you know, an entrepreneur, a chef, restaurateur, a leader, and there are certain responsibilities that come with that. Uh, I mean, for God's sakes, it's not easy. And there have been many times where I was, I just wanted to crawl under a rock. Um, I didn't want to answer to anybody. I didn't want, I didn't have answers for anybody. You know, people have been calling and asking, you know, you know, of course you included like, hey, can you talk about what you're going through? And I didn't have the words. It's like, I don't have anything to add to the conversation. I don't have any words of wisdom. I'm suffering and I'm scared. And it just didn't feel like I was being the kind of leader that I hoped for myself. But things are shifting for me now. And um, it's not to say that I'm not afraid. Uh, you know, my moniker of hashtag, you know, F fear 
Um, I certainly didn't feel that way for the last month, but it really isn't about not being afraid. We can be afraid, but I realize it's about not making decisions rooted in that fear. And so it's really about looking at that fear, um, where it's coming from and what I can do about it now. Yeah. Two things I want to touch on before we move on here. One thing you mentioned is we don't really have a good representation for what leadership looks like in this country, which I get, but we have great representations in our own community. And this has kind of forced us to look other places for good examples of that. And in your community, we have people like you to look at. We have people like, you know, Gavin Case and Jonathan Gans, Chow Girls, all these different people who are, you know, they're not succumbing, even Nick Kosovich, all these different people who are taking steps to do better in their own realm, in the hospitality industry. So there's that. And then the Mm -hmm. other thing is, you know, people are reaching out to you and probably reaching out to you in droves, expecting you to say all these things. And here's the thing with that. They're not really expecting you to have answers in regards to anything. I think it's just important for people to hear from you and understand that Ann Kim, this, you know, restaurant tour of such high caliber, she is certainly not one of iron will she is not invincible at all i mean she experiences fear depression anxiety like everyone else just because you have three about to be four successful restaurants doesn't mean you have just better emotional fortitude than everyone else and i think hearing these things from you is good for people and i think it's reassuring that this has really leveled the playing field for all of us emotionally like no matter how strong you are how tough you are we've all been brought down to this level of you know uncertainty and and anxiety. No, you're you're right on. And if anything, if this crisis has exposed my personal vulnerability, also exposed the vulnerability of our profession, the restaurant profession, um, you know, we were hit hard. We, as a nation, there are millions of people that are employed by this, by the restaurant industry. And we've been hit. We've been one of the hardest hit industries and how do we rebound from that? And it's a scary place to be. You know, I was scared for the first thing that I thought about when we had to shut the restaurants were my teams. Are they going to be okay? You know, I, I, I looked at my husband and then I said, what can we continue to do for them? You know, can we extend health insurance? Because the last thing you want to be without is health insurance during a, a, a pandemic. Um, how can we make sure that, you know, those that aren't going to apply for unemployment are taken care of? And these are all things that were rushing through my mind and I didn't have any answers. And that made me feel so worthless and I did go through those roller coasters of emotion. And yes, it certainly is something that I want people to know that in this day of Instagram and social media, what we present, you know, to the outside world isn't necessarily what's going on deep inside. And I want people to know that you can be a leader and you can still be honest and authentic and have the same worries and fears as everybody else. And um I think it's important. And like you said, there have been amazing examples of leadership that have happened within my own profession. Like you said, um, Gavin is not only a colleague of mine, but a very close friend. Um, we, We talk often and he's really sort of leading the charge in terms of organizing uh, restaurant leaders and colleagues to really become a think tank and talk about not just like, what can we do now? How can we be a resource for our teams, for the community, but also thinking not just the short 
short game, but the long game? How can we be a coalition that comes together as a Twin Cities restaurant coalition, like minds get aligned on what this message is so that we can be here for the future, so that we can have a shared message that's consistent, um, not only to support each other, but also to get support from the community. And so we just recently started talking about that and have started a small group. We hope to expand on that and really be a source of information and empowerment and, and, and do something really good. That has been a real positive to see that. I knew, I always knew that this has been a supportive restaurant community. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today without that. Um, we're, we're resources for one another. Um, I don't know what it's like in other cities, but here in Minneapolis, we really do feel that we do better if everybody else does better. So I've always known that and felt that, but this has proven that. And um, everybody's been here like, what do you need? Can we drop off family meal for you? Um, do you? Are there resources that you can share with us? And we're all here. Restaurant people are generous people. We were always the first in line to donate to charities or people request things of us. And we're always there to help because we want to help. And now we're asking, we're saying we're vulnerable. We normally don't ask for help, but we need help. And part of that, I think, is just culturally, you know, I'm Korean. I was not raised to ever ask for help or any kind of handout. And um, maybe it's just Korean Han. I don't know. But it's just maybe that's getting me through to um, this crisis that it's it's we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. Yeah. And one thing I want to touch on really quick here is regardless of where you are, you know, regardless of your industry, where you're at in life. I think this is a really good time to be a leader and it's in a way it's easier than ever because right now to be a leader is just to show an example and to show others that personally that you won't let this bring you down and you can hopefully pass that on to others. Maybe, you know, you live with a spouse or children who are in deep fear and anxiety and all you have to do right now to be a leader is to show you know, a proper example and, and show how to act. So yeah, those are all great things. I want to move on really quick though. So right now you gave an overview essentially of what your restaurants are doing. So what can we do right now immediately to to help you and, and your businesses? Right now we're still doing our takeout business. So, you know, I encourage people to dine at their favorite restaurants, take takeout, buy gift cards, support them. We're doing our best to stay afloat. Uh, the community has been really creative. The restaurant community has been really creative. Um, those that have had to really drastically pivot, like the fine dining restaurants that normally do not serve food this way, have changed the way they've done things from offering full-on meals for the week. And, and it's been really inspiring to see. And so for, for those that are still offering uh, services in this way, please support us by by eating out and, and purchasing gift cards. Show your support that we will come back. That's a way that you can support us in that way. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I will post things for um, the Independent Restaurant Association or SaveRestaurants.com. There's a lot of really great uh, information there from the restaurant community. It's a it's a it's a national organization, basically created to help promote 
legislation to help the restaurant organization right now. Um, we've, they've done some tremendous work and they're continuing to do work. And it's really important that the public understand what we need and why we need it and to support that. And so you can get a lot of valuable information from there uh, to support not only the local restaurants, but nationally too, because I do think that this is a time for us in this profession that we're rethinking, recalibrating how we want to come back so we can come back stronger and better than before. Right. Can you really quick give the specific information for your restaurants in terms of hours and when we can uh, pick things up? Uh, so Hello Pizza is open Wednesday through Sunday. We're open uh, for dinner only at this time. And uh, we're open for business from during the week. It's from 4 to 8 p.m. And then on weekends, Fridays and Saturdays, we're open until 9. Pizzeria Lola is also open Wednesday through Sunday. Our hours are a little different there. So um, I would just check the website for the most updated hours of operation. Um, and because we may also extend our days of operation to Monday and Tuesday. And then Young Joni is also open Wednesday through Sunday, dinner only for pickup from 4 to 9 p.m. And so I encourage people as well to go to the websites, go to um, our Instagram page, and that's where you'll find the most updated information about the services that we're offering. Excellent. And then the final segment, I, I have to ask, so how have you been doing in your kitchen? Have you found solace in that place? Have you been focusing on any you know, new, different, maybe comfort recipes? I mean, I saw on your Instagram that you made congee recently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I've never cooked more in my entire life. I know that sounds so weird as a chef. Um, and if you talk to most chefs, you'll find that even though chefs cook for a living, they rarely cook for themselves or their families and friends. Now we're sort of forced to have to cook for ourselves. And the food that I'm really turning to are the foods that brought me comfort when I was growing up. And things like kanji or the Korean version would be juke and making that for family meals for the restaurants to offer them some comfort calling my mother and and asking her for things that I never thought that I would be making now and like wanting to learn how to make my own tenjang which is the Korean version of miso so that I could have that and so I think a lot of these things are going to influence the new restaurant in terms of the kind of food that I want to cook and make and I might even go as far to say as far to say as that Suki and Mimi might be my most personal restaurant to date based on this experience. So with all, you know, the millions of Americans stranded at home now left to be in their kitchens, maybe some of them not super used to it, you know, not expecting you to know everything, but what recommendations would you have in terms of, I don't know, ingredients and dishes, certain ways to make things? Yeah, I would just say, you know, a lot of people don't cook. And I think for them, it was a little frightening. Like, am I just going to be eating, you know, canned beans and pasta, you know, for weeks on end? And I would just say, you know, do the best that you can. You know, it's we're not expecting people that have never cooked to become these brilliant chefs, but there are a lot of resources out there. Um, a lot of chefs are um, teaching people how to make uh, new things and doing tutorials, but really keep things simple. Uh, you don't have to overcomplicate things for yourself. Try to eat healthy. I know that there's this tendency that when you're depressed or sad or in the middle of crisis, that you're going to eat things that might not benefit you health-wise. But I always believe that food is medicine and it is a time to really eat you know, whole foods. So I know everybody wants to eat those carbs, but to make sure you're getting the fruits and vegetables in there too. And um, that 
it's okay to freeze things, right? It's mm-hmm. okay. It's great to make things like soups and stews, things that you can put away and they'll taste, they'll taste great. Um, and sometimes even better, you know, as they sit, you know, be kind and gentle to yourself and, and, and ask for help if you need it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the, the recommendation. So do you have any final thoughts on what's been going on, you know, looking forward? Oh, final thoughts. No, I mean, I don't know. My my mind, it's always been a monkey mind, but now more than ever, I've got a million different thoughts racing through my head. I don't have any words of wisdom to end on, Matthew, except to just say, you know, be kind to one another, be compassionate. Think about how you can use this time to look inward. If, If you're not taking this time to really reassess how you've lived, how you're living now, and how you want to live, I think it's a wasted opportunity. So, you know, the world is asking us to be quiet, to reset, to be isolated. And I think you can take this time of isolation and make it a really powerful, beautiful thing to look deeper. So that's all I ask. That's excellent. Well, Anne, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. Be well. You too. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey there. Thanks for sticking around to the end. It means a lot, but there's one more thing that needs to be added here. A day after our conversation, Anne texted me about a major detail that she forgot when it came to her connection with making comfort food in the face of crisis. It's during this time, Anne says, that she finally understands who her mother is. Growing up, Anne's mom, whose name is Young, cooked every meal as if food was going to run out. This was a result of her experiences during the Korean War. At the age of 13, Young escaped a town in North Korea as it was getting bombed. With her siblings and her mother, Young headed south, taking only what she could carry. It was a time of extreme famine and scarcity, and it created within Young a natural instinct to stretch out everything in the kitchen. As a young girl, Anne would watch and internalize her mother's resourcefulness, making konji out of old rice, pickling watermelon rinds, saving kimchi juice for stews, and taking advantage of butcher scraps. All this done right in front of Anne's face growing up, and it's not something that she truly understood until now. The family had very little, Anne says, but despite that, her mother gave her everything she ever needed. Today, quarantined in her own kitchen, Anne summons the spirit of her mother when she makes her own comfort food, cooking in a time of scarcity, yet maintaining those supreme values of deliciousness and abundance. I think we can learn a lot from this story. We should all take solace in the kitchen. It shouldn't be a place of stress and worry. Rather, challenge yourself, find ways to be creative, and have fun doing it. Experiment with stretching your own ingredients, but don't be afraid to indulge in your favorite comfort foods. We need them now more than ever. So with that out of the way, thanks again for listening. Resources for takeout at each of Anne's restaurants will be in the description, and if you live in the Twin Cities, I recommend checking those out. So, until next time... Stay safe, be well, and I'll see you soon. Oh, and one more thing. If you've made it this far, I have a request for you. A small favor. I ask that you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share with a friend. It would mean the world. Okay, now I'm done. Bye.